0: All right, well, good morning again and welcome to H2O. We are so excited to have you here. Uh, again, as we said, as we started off the service, a special welcome to those of you who are fathers who are worshiping with us as a family. It is great to have you here. And we thought, as uh, we are kind of gathering together today, that a perfect opportunity for us to have a child dedication would be on Father's Day because we know that obviously fathers are so crucial and so important in the lives of children. And so, if you've been with us, we've been announcing that we're going to have a child dedication today. We have four families that are going to dedicate children, which is an amazing blessing as our church continues to grow and add young families. It's been so awesome and powerful uh, to be a part of. And so with that, before we bring the families up and have the dedication, I just really briefly wanted to explain to you what a child dedication is. Some of us have been part of them before, others of us haven't. But child dedications have their root in scriptures. All the way back to the Old Testament, you look at the prophet Samuel, and he was taken to the temple to be Dedicated to the Lord. And then, even uh, closer to now, Jesus himself was taken to the temple as a young child and uh, he was dedicated before the Lord. And so, we see this kind of tradition, this reality that that for parents to say, I want to raise my children in a way that honors God is an extremely important commitment. You know, child dedication isn't just for the children. It's fun to celebrate them and see their little faces up here and watch parents like wrestle them, you know, as they stand in front of us. That's always one of the fun parts of child dedications. Uh, But really, most of the dedication is for families. As they stand up here before family and friends and their church family and say, today is a day where I am committing or recommitting to make sure that I entrust these children to the Lord, that I raise them the way that God wants me to raise them. And so we are really excited for these four families who are going to come up here today. So with that being said, I want to invite all of you up here. Uh, Come on up. Yep, don't be shy. Um, And I want to invite Pastor Matt up here too. He's got the vows that they're going to go through. We're just going to take a minute and have them all up here and then pray for them uh, as a church as well. So come on up here. Come on, Kylan. Hi. This way. Yeah.
1: Alright. We're going to start over here with Rich and J.K., you guys excited? (laughs) Okay, so we're just going to ask you four questions, and you guys can just respond with, we do. Rich and J.K., do you acknowledge and accept Corin as a gift from God, and ultimately that he belongs to God?
2: We
1: do. Do you commit your lives and marriage to God, and seek to live a life that Jesus would want, knowing that your example will impact your children greatly? Do you commit to have a home centered on Jesus and make it a place where God's word is read, heard, loved, and lived out? We do. Do you commit to raising your children in a community of people that love and follow and serve God, knowing that through your patience, prayer, and community, and God's work, that corn will have a great place to follow God and make him his, the center of their life?
0: All right, I'm gonna pray for you guys. God, we thank you so much for Rich and JK, just what faithful members they've been of our church for so long. We thank you for Finn, we thank you for Corin, and Lord, we just thank you that their family is growing. Lord, we lift them up to you. We pray that you help them to be the parents that you want them to be, and that these two boys grow into the men that you want them to be. Amen.
1: Okay, Chris and Lauren are dedicating Lucas today. Very cute. (laughs) Very cute.
2: A little milk noc- dribble. <laughs> okay,
1: you guys can just answer we do after I share this. Chris and Lauren, do you accept Lucas as a gift given to you by God and ultimately that he belongs to God? Thank you. Do you commit your lives and marriage to God and seek to live a life of Jesus every day, knowing that your example will impact your child greatly? Do you commit to have your home centered around Jesus and make it a place where God's word is read, heard, loved, and lived? We do. do you commit to raising Lucas in a community of people who love, follow, and serve God, knowing that it is through patience, prayer, community, and God's word that Lucas will grow up to have God as the center of his life?
0: awesome let me pray for you guys God thank you for Chris and Lauren thank you even as Lauren is on staff with us and such an important part of our church God we pray for them in this transition of, of being just two to now being three Lord we thank you for the ballards and all that they mean to our church God and we pray for Lucas God that you help him to grow into the boy and the man that you want him to be Amen
1: right. this is Anthony and Carolyn and they're dedicating Jack and Dean today you guys excited? Yes. alright Just repeat, or just say, we do after we respond. Anthony and Carolyn, do you acknowledge and accept that Jack and Dean are gifts given to you by God, and that they ultimately belong to God?
2: We
1: do. Do you commit your lives and marriage to God, and to seek to live a life like Jesus every day, knowing that your example will impact your children greatly? We do. Do you commit to have your home centered around Jesus and make it a place where God's Word is read, heard, loved, and lived? And do you commit to raising your children in a community of people that love, follow, and serve God, knowing that through patience, prayer, community, and God's work, that your children will grow into people that have God as the center of their lives? We do. do.
0: All right, let's pray for you guys. God, we thank you for Carolyn and Anthony, and we thank you so much just that they're new to our community and that they want to raise their children in a way that, uh, that truly honors you. God, we thank you for Jack and Dean, and Lord, we pray that uh, as they grow that you would help them to be the boys and the men that you want them to be. In your name we pray, amen.
1: All right, this is Patrick and Beth, and they're dedicating three of their kids today. You guys ready? All right, just respond with We do. Patrick and Beth, do you acknowledge and accept that Kaitlyn, Elliot, and Natalie are gifts given to you by God and ultimately belong to God? We do. Do you commit your lives and marriage to God and seek to live like Jesus every day, knowing that your example will impact your children? We do. Do you commit to have your home centered on Jesus and make it a place where God's word is read, heard, loved, and lived?
2: We
1: do. Do you commit to raising your children in a community of people? who love, follow, and serve God, knowing that it is through patience, prayer, community, and God's work that your children will have God as the center of their lives.
0: Awesome. Let me pray for you yes, God, thank you so much for Beth and Patrick. and Lord, just their journey. God, we're so excited that they're a part of what you're doing here at H2O. And God, we pray uh, that as they raise these children, Lord, that you would direct them, guide them, and uh, continue to draw them closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen.
1: I think we might have a little preacher here. Today. That's
0: right. <laughs> Oh. Yeah. I'm so tempted when I get up here just to be like that ornery yeah. uncle who eggs yeah, the kids on cool. and gives them candy yeah. and stuff like so that, because
2: that's, but yeah. Hold on, Brian. Hold
0: okay, we got a word from the Lord. <laughs> awesome. Well... One of the really last parts of a child dedication that, that we love to celebrate is really, it's about the families, it's about the children, but it's also about the church. And the beautiful thing of the body of Christ is that we get to come together and continue to push one another forward. And so we actually have a couple questions for the church body that we would love for you to respond in, uh, with we do if you can affirm these questions that we're about to ask because we believe it's important for the church community to surround these families as they're seeking to raise these kids uh, in Christ. So I'm going to ask you this question. And if you can say it with a, with a good conscience, uh, we'd like every single person to say we do. So as a church community, do you commit to loving, serving, equipping, and supporting these parents and families to become the parents that God desires for them to be? We do. And as a church, do you commit to living as Christ-like examples, pointing all of these children to God in all that you do? Awesome. I'm gonna do one final prayer and then uh, we'll continue on with the service. God, we thank you for for children. Lord, what a blessing. We thank you for fathers. We thank you for mothers. We thank you for your plan for our families. God, would we be a church that equips and encourages uh, these families to point their kids towards Christ. Would they grow up to be men and women who do amazing things for you and have an eternal impact? We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. So you guys can give these guys a round of applause. Thank you. And we got a little gift for you when you go off stage, a little Bible for all your kids. So Sarah will bring those up. We appreciate that. And With that being said, we want to invite you guys to go ahead now and stand up, take a minute and uh, greet somebody around you while these guys exit the stage before we jump into the sermon. All right, well... Again, we're excited to be together on this Father's Day. Uh, it is probably going to be one of the hottest days of the summer. We got the AC cranking as much as it'll go, but when you get a bunch of people in here, it's a little bit warm, but it's awesome to be together as we continue um, this series that we're calling Upside Down. Throughout this whole summer, we're talking through this theme of Upside Down, and the reality is, as we set up and launched into this series last week, that when you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus truly came onto the scene and turned things upside down. He really turned the whole world upside down. In fact, uh, the world has never been the same since Jesus came, has it? I mean, we, we count our days, we count our calendars by the time that he was born. And so he literally transformed and turned things upside down. Not only that, but the things that he said were oftentimes kind of viewed in an upside down way. They are viewed in a counter-cultural way. Jesus would say these things that nobody else would have said during that time. He would say things like, like, hey, uh, if you want to follow God, you have to actually love your enemies. He'd say it's easy to love people who love you, you actually have to love your enemies. That was an upside down thought for them during that time, and it's still an upside down thought for us, right? He would say other things like, if you want to follow me, you have to come and die to yourself. He would say things like, if you want to be great, or if you want to be a leader, you need to actually be the least of these, or a servant. And so, as we look at the words that Jesus said, oftentimes they were so uh, just revolutionary, for the world during that time. And then not only that, but Jesus, for so many of us, he's turned our lives upside down. He's helped us to do a complete 180. And so that's kind of the backdrop and the theme that we're gonna be moving forward with throughout this summer uh, as we have this series, Upside Down. And today I wanna talk to you, especially on this Father's Day, about a concept that God gives to us in his world that truly is an upside down concept. But I wanna start off and, and, and lay the foundation with an opportunity observation for you just to think about and maybe you've heard this observation before maybe you've heard somebody share it before but I think that it's really interesting the observation is this you can tell a lot about your relationship with somebody by how you refer to them maybe you've heard somebody say that before but think about that for a second you can tell a lot about how you relate to somebody by what name you call them right? Okay, so let me give you some examples, and I'm going to tell you why this matters. Have you ever got a, a phone call on your, your telephone? It's a number that you don't recognize, and against your better judgment, you pick it up, right? And at the other end of the line is this voice, usually in some type of accent, and as you answer the phone, uh, my name is Brian Wiles, so they'll say something like, hello, is Mr. Wills there, you know? And they, they butcher my name, right? And so I can tell right away if somebody calls my phone, and they don't know how to pronounce my name, they probably don't know me all, right? They probably don't know anything about me. So that's significant because I can know I can hang up right away, right? That's what most of us do. I, I can tell that they relate to me not very well because they don't even know how to say Now, sometimes people will come to me and maybe I know them a little bit better. They'll say, hey, Pastor Brian, you know, or, or Pastor Wiles, which I'm totally cool being called that. You don't have to call me that. But if somebody calls me that, I can know right away that they at least know me better than a telemarketer, right? They at least, they know how to pronounce my name, and they know what job I do. They know what I do for a profession. Now, they may not know me very well. They may not know the details of my life, but they at least know something about me because they call me Pastor Brian or Pastor Wiles. Now, again, other times people just call me Brian or, hey, Wiles, how's it going? And if you're calling me by that, then I figure we at least have some type of friendship, some type of relationship. Uh, Another really interesting one for me, I've shared this with some of you before, um, but uh, when I, nobody in Bowling Green calls me this, but when I go back home, I'm from Worcester, Ohio, when I go back home, as soon as I walk into pretty much any gathering that, that would be related to my high school, every single person from like 80-year-olds down to, you know, kids, they call me Goose, okay? It's like, hey, Goose, how's it gone? Because that was my nickname in high school. When I was in junior high, it's not because of like the cool Top Gun Goose example is when I was in junior high, they said I ran like a goose when I was running track. Somebody called me that. I decided not to fight it and just went with it. It, and it stuck, and so I would play basketball. And basketball is big in our area. And when I'd run out on the court, everyone would go goose, and it just stuck. You know, it sounded like they were booing me. My mom was mad at first, you know, uh, but but that's like what I'm known by when I go back to to my hometown. So they knew me during a certain period of my life. I can tell that they they know something about me. They know where I'm from. They knew me during that time. Now, take it even a little bit further. My wife and I, right? My my wife and I wouldn't it be kind of weird if she like botched my name all the time? You know, uh, my wife and I we have like special names that we call each other. I won't make you uncomfortable and tell you all those special names, but it's it's things like babe and honey and you know even more intimate names because because the people that we're closest with think about this for a second the people that we're closest with we have the most intimate connections with we have the most intimate names for each other. And then on this Father's Day, think about this reality for me. You know, I have three kids, 11-year-old, 9-year-old, 6-year-old, Sam and Allison and Isaac, and they call me a really special name, right? They call me Dad. They call me... Daddy, you know, and when they were younger, there would always be Daddy, and, and you, you hear that name, and there's just something pretty intimate and special about being a parent, being a mom or a dad, and, and those names are extremely important. I tell you this because what we call people, how we refer to people, it matters. It signifies something about our relationship with them, doesn't it? You know, just like it'd be really weird if a telemarketer called me up and said, hey, is daddy there? You know, I'd be like, this is, something's gone wrong. You know, you can, again, relate to somebody by how you refer to them. And as I think about that here today, I want to make a proposal to you today that the same is true with us and God. Right, Just the way that we interact with one another by how we refer to one another signifies how close or intimate we are with one another. The same is true about our relationship with God. Think about that for yourself. How do you refer to God? Maybe you don't even refer to him much at all. Maybe you're here and you're wrestling and you're searching. Maybe you're here and you would even say, I'm not even sure that he exists. So if I ever do talk to him, I just say, hey, I hope somebody's up there, you know. That would signify something about your relationship with him. Or maybe you call him like, hey, the big man upstairs, you know. There's, there's nothing wrong with that, but that would probably signify something about your relationship with him. Well, today, as we're continuing on with this upside down series, I want to press into a reality that the Bible talks about over and over again. And the reality is this, that God invites us to call him one of the most intimate names in all Of language. One of the most intimate names. God, our God, the creator of the universe, encourages us, invites us to call him Father, invites us to call him Dad. One of the most cherished names in all of language, he asks us and tells us we can call him that. And we're gonna talk about the implications for that today. Uh, it's a really interesting concept because maybe you've kind of grown up in church and you've said the Our Father or you've just kind of thrown that word around without really thinking about the power of it. But today I want to kind of deconstruct that just a little bit and think about the privilege that God invites us into as he allows us to call him Father and even more intimate, Dad. Dad. You know, it it was really interesting, Uh, about a month ago, um, Sarah Birchfield, she's one of our staff members, she does awesome work with a bunch of international students. And so it's one of the the cool ministries that that we have here at H2O. And uh, I got invited to speak at this Christian-Muslim dialogue. It wasn't really debate, it was more of a dialogue. And uh, me and this actually, professor that was brilliant, uh, Islamic professor um, up at Toledo, we got to have a dialogue. And one of the questions that came up from so many of the Muslim students that were there, these really um, just, you know, sweet, good-hearted Muslim students, as we started to talk about the character of God, I started to say how God uh, invites us to call him Father. And, And right away, the hands are just going up right away. Well, what do you mean by that? You know, how could God ask you to call him Father? How could God allow you to call him Father? For, for them and their faith system, they could not wrap their mind around the reality that this transcendent God who is amazing, who created the whole world, who is all powerful, would be intimate enough to allow us to call him Father. And so it was interesting as I got their perspective on that, it kind of helped shape my mind and this reality that it's not just a word that we should flippantly throw out, but it's something that when we go to God and call him that, we should think about the depth of what that means and the power that he invites us to call him that. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, it says this. It says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. So, if you are somebody who has given your life and committed to following Jesus for the rest of your life, then God adopts you into his family. In Ephesians chapter 1, it talks about how we are adopted into his family. And so that reality gives us the, the permission to call God father. He adopts us in as his children. But then in Romans chapter 8, Paul takes it even a step further. He says this in Romans chapter eight, verses 14 through 16. It says, for those who are led by the spirit are children of God. That's already been established, right? God uh, doesn't just make us his his slaves or his servants, but he invites us into his family as his children. But verse 15 says, the spirit received does not make you slaves so that you live out of fear. Rather, the spirit you received brought about by your adoption to sonship, and by him we call, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. That word, Abba, it's this Latin word that literally translated means daddy. Like a little kid would cry out, daddy, I need your help. Daddy, come help me. Daddy, I, I need you. Paul is saying that God invites us to that level of an intimate relationship with God. That's pretty powerful as we think about it, isn't it? See, here's the the big idea for today. Knowing God as a loving father will change the way that we think and that we live. Knowing God as a loving father, if we truly grasp it and the depth and the richness of that, it will change the way that we think and it will change the way that we can live. And I can tell you as a father and anybody who's here as a parent, they can tell you that there's nothing that we love more than when our kids want to draw close to us, when our kids want to be around us, when our kids show us the love that they have for us. And, and as we think about that, I don't think it's a coincidence that God allows us to call him that. He wants us to look at that picture at its best. And he wants to say, this is what I want with you. Just like when your kids draw and come up to you, draw close to you and come up and sit on your lap and give you a hug, and you love that, the same is true with me. When you reach out to me, when you want to be in a relationship with me, God loves that. You know, I, I think uh, it has to be said that even as we come to this, and even on Father's Day, you know the reality is for some of us, like our, our earthly experience with our father or with our parents has not been something that we have these warm and fuzzy feelings about. You know, for some of us, we have great family upbringings. For some of us, when we hear the word father, it's like we have exactly the picture in mind that God wants us to have in mind because our dad was a good father and he loved us and he protected us and he nurtured us. But sadly, for some of us, our fathers were absent. They, they just weren't around. And so when we start talking about God as father, it's a little bit hard to relate to or others of us even sadder. Some of us have even had bad fathers. Not just neutral, not just absent, but bad. Like ones who have hurt us. Ones who've maybe even abused us. And so as we're here today and we're talking about this concept of God as a father, as we're here today on Father's Day, uh, it might not be sitting extremely well with us. It reminds me of a story. I was sitting with a, a friend of mine who I was sharing the gospel with, he wasn't a follower of Christ. And uh, as I was sitting there with him, we were talking about God and his character and who he was and, and we we're having this conversation and uh, he said, you know, it's interesting. I don't actually refer to God as, as a he. I don't refer to God as, as my father. I re- actually, when I pray to God, I talk to God as my mother. I'm like, oh, that's interesting, you know? And he said, well, I do that because my dad was never around, but my mom was awesome. She was this amazing example to me. And so when I pray to God, I, I pray to God as my mother. And as I heard that, I thought, man, isn't that sad that so many of us could say something along those lines, and while I understand and I'm totally sympathetic to, to his journey and what he's been through, I don't think the solution for us is to redefine who God defines himself as, right? I don't think the solution for us is to say, well, my experience here on earth with this temporary family it has not been good and in the right picture, so I'm going to redefine God. No, what we do is we go to the Bible, We go to God's word and we can then redeem what we've seen happen here on earth. And so we don't redefine God because to the very essence of who God is, he is a father. That's something that God from the beginning of the Bible has continually revealed to us. And so we can't change that. It's not our right. It's not our prerogative to be able to change that. But what we need to do is redefine the experiences that we've seen here and say, what did God want them to be like? What did God want them to look like? You see, it is so important because at the character of God, he is two things. He is a father and he is love. If you look at the words that God is continually uh, describing himself as and others describe him as throughout the pages of scripture, God is a father and God is a loving father. That's part of the Christian understanding of God. God exists in in perfect unity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so we can't take that away from his essence of who he is because we'll start to miss out on the character of who he is. But at the very core of who he is, he is a loving father. And we can let that redefine what our experience has been rather than us trying to redefine who God is. And so on this Father's Day, as we continue on with this message, I just wanna give these three implications that, that I think if we truly like grasp them and wrestle with them and, and think about the reality of them, that it will change our world. It will turn our lives and our mindset about who God is upside down, and it will help us to be closer, more intimate followers of the Father who loves us, who created us, who gave us life and continues to give us life. As we're here today so i want to share these three things with you these implications from knowing that god is father and the first one is this knowing that god is father means that he actually disciplines us oh that's an interesting one to start off with right knowing that god is father means that he disciplines us you know for those of you who are parents you know that this is like one of the most challenging parts of being parents, because you love your kids so much. But you have to put up boundaries for your kids to grow into the people that God wants them to be. You just literally have to, or you have to do that to keep them alive as well. You know, those are the two things that usually work together. And if, if you're a parent, you know that they're always pushing those boundaries. Like, it's just part of like the kid DNA to constantly push the boundaries. If we give our kids a bedtime, I will guarantee you at that very bedtime, they'll be up walking around, you know, saying that they need to do one more thing or one more drink of water or they just have a few more things that they have to get done. It's like a boundary that has to be pushed. And I have great kids. I can't imagine for those of you who have terrible kids, you know. (laughs) I mean, the kids just love to push the boundaries. We have this pool at our house and it's not very deep and so we're told to our son, Sam, it's like you're not allowed to dive into the pool because why, we don't want you to break your neck. And so Sam jumps into the pool head first and I'm like, buddy, I just said you can't dive in the pool, he's like, I wasn't diving, I was jumping in head first. And I'm like, no, that's what I mean. I love you, bud. I don't want you to do that. I'm not trying to take away your fun. I care about you. You know, they, they constantly push the limits. See what they can get away with oftentimes. You know, and we love them anyway, don't we? And I was I was thinking about that, I was thinking, I actually don't think that's like in kid DNA. I think that's in human DNA, isn't it? Think about my own life. And thinking about God as a father, and thinking literally there are so many times where I'm tempted to push into those boundaries that God has put in, in place. There are so many times where I'm tempted by the allure of, of sin, where I'm tempted to say, God didn't really say that. Or maybe my plan's a little bit better, or maybe, you know, God, just, just this one time it's okay. You know, I think as we think about God and we think about our human experience, all of us were tempted to shun God's discipline because we think we might know a little bit better. I wanna read this this verse with you. It's out of uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses five through eight. It says this, says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his sons. Endure hardship is discipline. God is treating you as his children, For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. So just like I would not be a good parent if I didn't put some things in place to help my kids grow into the men and women that God wants them to be, just as that is so true of us, the same is true of God. And so if you're here today and you're going through some type of hardship, if you're here today and like you feel like you're in this season where God has been saying no, you have some plans for your life and they just don't seem like they're working out. You have some things in your life that you think you have it under control, but God has a different plan. I want you to encourage you to embrace that rather than to run from God. If you're in a season maybe where you're single and you haven't wanted to be single for as long as you have been, but, but that's where God has you right now, I'd encourage you to embrace that. And say, God, what do you have for me? How can I continue to draw closer to me? If you're in a season where you are at a job and you don't have that job that you want, you don't have that dream job that you know is perfect for you and God just hasn't given that to you over and over again, I wanna encourage you, don't run from God during those times. You know, oftentimes he uses those experiences to draw us closer and closer to him if you're going through a trial or a struggle. It just seems like you can't get through it just seems like you can't get past it. I wanna encourage you, press into your loving father. Who knows what he's doing in that situation, but I know for sure he wants to use it to draw you closer to him. So God, he disciplines his children that he loves. Second is this, he challenges us to be like him. He challenges us to be like him. See, kids, oftentimes they wanna be like their dads, don't they? My, my youngest, Isaac, he, so many people have been saying lately, he looks, you know, just like me. We have the same mannerisms. We have the same expressions. My middle son, Sam, we were uh, in the car the other day. Sam, who obviously I love all my kids so much, he's probably like the least in touch spiritually out of all of our kids. And so we're driving in the car and we're having this conversation. I say, Sam, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he said, either a baseball player or a pastor. And I like almost started crying because I knew he doesn't even know what a pastor is, you know, <laughs> like, he, I don't think that he really wants to be that at this point in his life, but he knows his dad's doing it. He knows that's what his dad is doing. And so he says, that's what I wanna be when I grow up. We have that same experience, right? We, we, we root for the same sports team. Dad, do we like the Browns or don't we like the Browns? It's like this, <laughs> yes and no, it's, it's complicated, you know? We have this thing where it's like they want to emulate you. They want to be like you. And I think the same should be true with us and God. In 1 Peter chapter 1, God says this, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Why does God call us to the standard of living pure and holy lives? Because that's what he is. That's what our father is. And so just like a little kid wants to emulate their parents and their dad, the same is true with us. When we truly grasp the reality of who God is, that he loves us, that he cares for us, that he is this loving father, then we can start to realize that we want to grow closer and closer to him. You see this is a phrase that we say around here a lot at H2O and I think it's so important because we are not at all into behavior modification. You know being a follower of Christ isn't just about being a good person. It's not about just keeping a bunch of rules. We can't stand behavior modification to be honest with you because the reality is oftentimes it drives us further and further away from Jesus because we think that we're good people but the reality is we need to get closer to Jesus realizing that we need him every moment of our day. And the way that we change and grow and mature is we don't modify our behavior, but we realize who we are. So we say this phrase at H2O oftentimes, when we know who we are, then we know what to do. Have you grasped that reality? When we know who we are, then we know how to live. Then we know what to do. And that's why a message like this is so extremely important. When we know that God is our father, that we're his children, that we're children of the God most high, the creator of the universe, the holy one, the powerful one, the mighty one, then our lives and our desires start to align with God. And so our behavior does change. But it's not out of just modifying it or trying to be good people. It's out of recognizing that God loves us and that as we love him, we continue to look more and more like him. And what does he look like? Holy, perfect, pure. And so as we grow and as we mature, our lives reflect the character of God more and more. When we know who we are, we know what to do and we know how to live See, that's the reality, that God, as our loving father, when we recognize that, it changes the way that we think and that we live. I'll close with this. Third thing. God, he loves us and he will always pursue us. A loving father loves his kids and he will always pursue them. 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world, that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, God pursued us. You know, sometimes we say things like, I found God, and, and, and I get that. I say that same type of thing too, but the reality is God is the one who initiated that. God is the one who came after us. God is the one who loves us and sent his son to die for us. And so God as a loving father is always pursuing us, always saying, listen, I see you in your brokenness, I see you in your pain, I see you in your sin, but I've made a way back. And I've made it so clear, and that way is Jesus. And so for all of us, the way back to the father is through confession, saying, God, I'm gonna put you first in my life And repentance, saying, God, I'm gonna turn from my sin and place you at the center of my life. It's recognizing and saying, God, I know that I can't work my way to you. God, I know that there's nothing that I can do to undone the mess that's been made. But when I put my faith and trust in you, Jesus, you were the perfect one. You've already lived a perfect life. And so in that moment, God exchanges his righteousness for our sin and brokenness, and we get to be invited into the family of God. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You know, it's sad. Some of us, we almost think that God's given up on us. Even some of us who've been in church for a really long time who probably know academically, oh, I know that that can't be true. God loves us. But some of us deep in our hearts, we think God's given up on me. What I've said, what I've done, what I've been through, he can't truly love me. But the reality that God is a good, loving father grounds us in the truth that he will never give up on us that there's nothing too big, that there's nothing too far, that there's no sin too great to draw us back to him. He sent his son to make a way for us to come back and rest as his children, as his sons, and as his daughters. This is the gospel. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. It doesn't mean that we're gonna get it right every time. It simply means that we're committed to making Jesus the center of our life and loving him and accepting God as our Father. So on this Father's Day, I wanna encourage you, wrestle with that and rest in that, that truth that God loves you as a perfect Father. Let's pray.